I'm Lisa. I'm Sean. And I'm Kate, and this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. All right, how are you guys? Ah, not too bad. Um, we, uh, my husband and I went down the shore for the first time in like a year and a half to like do all the beachy things and see my family. It was the first time I'd see my family uh, since like Christmas 2019. Oh so that was really gosh. nice. You're immediate or extended? Uh, extended. My mom's family lives down in like the Wildwood area. Oh, okay. That's awesome. What was yeah. it like down there? It was, it's really hot. I don't know how it is. Uh, so I don't think we've said this before. I'm based in Philadelphia. Uh, Lisa is in Washington state and Kate is in Chicago. It is like super hot mm-hmm. in like the Jersey Philly area this weekend. Rain today in Seattle. We're all surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It, ju- it got hot for the first time yesterday, and we're discovering what it means to have um, no air conditioning in this apartment. Um, but you get used to it. Yeah, it'll be fine. We just got some window units, but um, we live like an eight-minute walk from Lake Michigan. So yesterday we like got all our beach stuff together and like walked and hit this little market and got a bunch of berries and got some beers and went to. Um, it's like a huge sprawling park with a huge beach and like the entire community was out. Like it was like this collective celebration of just like, we're vaccinated, it's summertime, everyone was partying. People were just like dancing to other people's music and like gave a random dad a beer who like clearly needed one with his kids and like it felt so fucking good. It felt, it was like amazing. Because you guys moved to Chicago during quarantine so you have like mm-hmm. not really had the opportunity no. to experience the city at all not at all people pretty much were like the summer months are enough to get you through the nine like shitty cold months and I think they're gonna be I think they're gonna be right it's like first of all yes it's very cold but it was fine um because I didn't have to commute this winter but yeah there's like apparently in Chicago there's like a street party every weekend or like a huge market every weekend and our neighborhood is like a cute little family like young 30 somethings still kind of partying age um neighborhood so I thought or I hope you you felt some of that energy Sean was it like that at all in Wildwood um I mean it was a like we we made the mistake of going to the boardwalk every time we're done, like once a year, we're always like, let's go to the boardwalk. It's going to be like fun and kitschy yeah. and like, it's going to be great. Never and you get there idea. and you're like, oh, look, it's the, it's all the worst people yep. and us here on this boardwalk. <laughs> yep. So we like when we like walk the length of the boardwalk, it was just like Saturday night. And then we were like, we're not going to do that. Again. We're not going to do that again for another year until we forget how bad this experience was. Yeah. Uh, has it gotten worse over the years? I don't think I've been in like 10 maybe 10 years it's also just like it was our fault we went on a weekend night yeah you know just a lot of drunk people and Mm -hmm. people who just want to shout things at other people you know what I mean (laughs) shouting people Mm -hmm. shouting compliments but I mean like (laughs) it's only it I say that it's it's getting I don't think it is getting worse because I remember going in high school and just being like oh the boardwalk is a great place to get sexually harassed by 12 year olds so it's always been shitty yeah yeah (laughs) how was your weekend Lisa Uh, it was pretty uneventful I had a day off yesterday which is rare um and I returned 
turned some Comcast equipment mm, nice. to the UPS store. Mm-hmm. It was exciting. Um, and then I sat on the couch and watched Call the Midwife. I heard that was good. It's delightful. What's it about? Um, <laughs> midwifery. Midwifery. In, 19, <laughs> in the late 1950s and early 1960s in the UK after <laughs> in like East End London. Well, actually, this, I feel like that's going to be very relevant to today's conversations because it's I have, multiple, be very I have relevant. questions Thanks. about wizarding birth. So perhaps your knowledge of midwifery. Oh, I'm an expert now. Handy. Yeah. No, I'm an expert now. I know all about nuns and the religious orders that they hold. Nice. So Lisa, are you, are you uh, we gave you an extra hour today. It's six o'clock there. Does that mean you're drinking or no? I am today. Yeah. I'm not just drinking chai tea. I am drinking, um, no lie, it's a brewery um, in Washington, um, but they also make hard seltzers, um, and it's Ooh. called Day Fade, and it's black cherry, and it's delicious. It's the only hard seltzer that I like because it doesn't taste like sugar. It's just like, yeah. it tastes vaguely like cherry. Very nice. nice. And it's really good. That and it's plus, really it's also good. only like 5%, so. Mm. Nice. Support. So Kate, what are you drinking to complement uh, your second COVID vaccine, which should be kicking in any moment now? I'm double fisting <laughs> this like decaf black tea that's very delicious. It's kind of like French vanilla um, and some bourbon on the rocks. So we'll see just- what happens. I, you know, I was kind of wondering that if I should just pour Lisa mimed pouring the bourbon into the tea, um, but I think I'll uh, play it safer today. Yeah. Sean, how about you? I am drinking. It's, uh, it's Topo Chico with, uh, Topo Chico I had for the first time last weekend. Oh, it's so good, right? Gourmet shit. Well, can I suggest you put two shots of tequila in this baby? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. And two shots of tequila and then a bunch of like fresh squeezed, like grapefruit and lemon and lime. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You put it right back in the bottle. It's delicious. I mean, that's kind of like a Paloma. But like, yeah, and it you know, it tastes kind of like a margarita, but like without all of the extra like sugar. sugary parts, which is why I usually don't like margaritas. You just I mean, changed the direction of my summer. I haven't changed that much since college. Get me a bottle of tequila, and I am on board for it. Well, and now with your newfound love of Topo Chico, I mean, right? They go it's together. Really good. Okay, so today we are going to talk about uh, the magical healthcare system within the Harry Potter universe. Uh, but before we dive into that, we did want to talk a little bit about uh, the sources where we find our information for everything we talk about on this podcast, and a little bit about what we are considering to be canonical information, um, what we're taking as fact, the kind of places that we're looking for information. So Kate, I'll let you take it from there, because you you did a bunch of research on this. Sure. Um didn't really do a bunch of research. I just was on the harrypotter.fandom.com. So that's a Harry Potter wiki. Um, And they, so I started looking into it because there's so much information, just like so many things that build out the wizarding world that I'd never heard of, thought of, considered, or even sought out before. Um, So I noticed that they cite video games and they cite the little like ancillary books that JK Rowling has written. um, And you know, the movies, the Fantastic Beasts movies and things like that. Um, So I wanted to get more into it to see, or rather even just open the discussion about what we consider to be um, 
canon and what we're going to take our facts from. So um, the Harry Potter wiki, um, they consider materials based on three a three-tier system. So the first one is anything that JK herself wrote. So the novels, the supplementary writings, um, like the little essays that she releases. Do you guys know who she released those? Uh, she releases a lot of them on Pottermore. Pottermore, yeah. Okay. Um, which is now she, called, I think, just the Wizarding World. Yes, yeah, so some of them are oh, old. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I'm not a good Potter nerd. Um, <laughs> so yeah, tier one is like anything that came directly from her, um, and they also use this system of like, if she wrote something ten years ago and then did an interview where she contradicts that fact with a new fact, then the new fact supersedes the old fact, and very serious. Um, Tier two would be based on uh, based on the work, so like the films, the Pottermore content. Oh, I guess I was wrong about that. Um, okay, so tier two is anything based on her source material. Got it. Um, so based on the novels or the films. Um, so like anything on Pottermore, uh, anything that comes from the theme parks or anything that comes from like the documentary features about the franchise. Um, and then tier three is licensed materials. So that's like the video games and the trading cards, et cetera. So all of these different types of sources like make up what we know about the wizarding world. Um, so I guess my question for you two is, you know, they have like a tier system of ranking, um, which is helpful, but how do you guys feel about how we use sources? I, so I've been doing something very similar to you. I've been going on like Harry Potter lexicon, Harry Potter wiki, um, often on Pottermore, they will have quotes from JK Rowling that I'll, I'll use all of her past interview stuff. I, where I struggle a little bit more, and I do think a lot of when you're talking about whether or not something is, is canon, it does kind of go down to the individual fan. Mm -hmm. I have seen the first Fantastic Beasts which I actually enjoyed very much. I have not seen the second one, which I heard Neither. really fucks with the canon, like something crazy. And I, and so the third one hasn't been released. I guess my understanding is some of the things that are presented in the second movie could still come out to be, you know, false, like even within that movie universe, they mm -hmm. could be lies or false trails or something like that. Um, but I, I know that there was, a reveal in the second movie, I think that like one of the characters was actually a Dumbledore. Wait, I mean, what? His sis? No, no, not it wasn't his sister. sister. It was um. Oh. Lisa, do you know what I'm talking about? No, because I only watched it once, and I was so not into it that I could the, really the had second, a hard time paying attention. The second one or the first? The I liked the first one. Um. Oh, one of the characters is a um. Uh, a Lestrange. Oh, it's no, well, I Credence. I just looked it up. Credence is a Dumbledore, right? So He's the long lost younger brother of Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. That's what? some. I've seen that movie five times. I do not remember that. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the, I liked the first one because the first one didn't like mess with anything. It was just like new stuff. Yeah, but then Colin um, Farrell turns into Johnny Depp and then they fucking Yeah, that was. Me. In the second movie, too, they like reveal that Nagini is actually a lady? Yeah. It's just like, no. Show. She was like an, no. an anime. No, not it. She wasn't an animagus. She wasn't though. an animagus. It was, it was something, something else. else, and I don't remember. And as soon as I got to that point, I was like, I'm out. Yeah, so 
as you guys can see from clearly, we, we don't really understand this franchise. We, we clearly don't <laughs> consider this to be canonical. Um, so I, I have trouble thinking of the newer movies of canonical just in the ways that they have upended what, what we know from the book. So yeah, the books are like my like top, yeah, my yeah. go-to. And then after that, I start going into interviews and things like that. Mm -hmm. I struggle a little bit more with some of the stuff like based on her creation. So like I, I hate it. The cursed child. I've never seen mm -hmm. the show. I've yes. only read the scripts. I hated the cursed child. I don't consider the cursed child to be canon. Um, so I, I don't, I don't take a lot of what they do to that world, to the world within that text um, to really play into my understanding of, uh, of the books or of the universe. Yeah. And I, I, pr I pretty much agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of it's going to, for us kind of to come down from it, it's like, yeah, her, the original series is obviously that's the groundwork. That is what is true quote unquote for, you know, what we're, what we're talking about. Um, but I think the rest of it's kind of like, take it with a grain of salt. Like mm -hmm. if you, if it's something that you come across and like, we'll probably come across it. I mean, at least this is kind of what I do. And if it like fits in with what you would expect from the way that the story goes or like the books go and the trajectory of um, just the world itself. Cool. Um, but then if it's JK saying crazy shit, like um, muggles used to shit their pants and then clean it up. Like, all right, come on. Why yeah. are you saying nonsense like yeah, that? Muggles I shit their pants all the time. Oh, sorry. Oh, wizards shit wizard. their pants. <laughs> wizards used to just poop on the street like They horses. just used to shit in the street and then make it vanish. It's like, why, if that was such a good system, why did they switch to plumbing? Yeah, yeah. and I, I think another big thing for me about whether I kind of accept some of this new information into my brain is, you know, it, does this complicate what we know in the books in a fundamental way? So is this just sort of like some kind of just fun in-world trivia that is like cool to know and maybe helps me understand something but does not like fundamentally change my understanding of the books? I'll accept it. If it's something where it is like this is upending something that is textual, I, I typically throw it away. Right. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's so interesting because especially so researching for our topic today, healthcare in the wizarding world, it's like there's so much information. There's so much information, um, even down to I'll be mentioning the witch who discovered a cure for dragon pox. And it's like, where did we learn? Like, where and why did she ever come into our sphere? And it's like, you know, it's kind of just for fun. It's like, this is something that the fans, like, like fans really want to build the world out. They want to play the video games. They want to like read the extra materials and everything like that. And like, so I just see it as like, it's for fun for fans to have all this like bananas, extra information that we'll never need to know, except for people like us who want to write it and want to like do a podcast about it. But um, as far as like the Fantastic Beasts movies conflicting canon, like, I don't notice that because to me those movies are just like fun world building um because like yeah. the books are like the books are like the standard so I kind of like I don't know I just kind of don't take the extra stuff too seriously except to like build out what that world means to me so yeah I mean a lot of this stuff today it's like 
I guess sometimes I, I'm like, okay, is this fan fiction? Kind of like Cursed Child. Hey, but like, it doesn't really matter if it's like not going to affect the story or what we know of the stories. Yeah, right. but so, I mean, half the time I feel like the things that JK comes out with is her own fan fiction. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like the epilogue, which is just like, yeah, and I do think that a lot of the um, the information that we pulled for today, a lot of it does come from the books, and the supplemental information, yeah, has all come from Harry Potter wiki, Harry Potter lexicon, mm. Pottermore. These are things she's given statements on in the past. We we actually don't get a ton of time talking about wizard illness or healthcare in the books, besides mm. a couple major scenes. Uh, so we'll just jump right in of what we know. So we have two kind of major healthcare, I don't want to call them systems necessarily that we see, and that is, you know, the hospital wing at Hogwarts, uh, where for the most part, any student illness is taken care of there. I think one of the very few times we see anything get uh, kind of elevated is when uh, Katie uh, Katie Bell gets sent to St. Mungo's after touching like the cursed necklace. That was the only time we've ever seen a student, I think, kind of get shifted along to something larger. Mm -hmm. um, most most of our, our Hogwarts injuries get taken care of at like a small nursing facility within the school. And then of course we have St. Mungo's, which is the primary and as far as I can tell, the only hospital system with for uh, magical illnesses within mm -hmm. Great Britain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you were saying that, Sean, about Katie being the only student sent to St. Mungo's, I was wondering why they didn't send the students who were petrified by the basilisk. <laughs> they, were our, yeah. they were just, they were just yeah. And just that's why we're having out. this conversation today. Right, because surely right. St. Mungo's had like mature mandrakes, right? Like they would just keep that kind of stuff on hand. They weren't like, sorry, you got to wait six months while we grow our own. Yeah, you'd think. You would think so but apparently not i mean and that's what it's like is is hogwarts just autonomous like it just i think it is functions on its own and then like but then sometimes like mcgonagall got sent to saint mungo's too and she only got hit in the chest with two stunning spells so it's like it was like six stunning spells it was a bunch and maybe it was like, like she's like 70 yeah i guess she is quite old okay <laughs> um <laughs> We don't know how old because we don't really know, understand how old witches and wizards are. But still, yes. like, yeah. what, what constitutes an emergency to St. Mungo's? And also, yeah, I have a lot of questions regarding emergency services um, <laughs> that I, I just, I have some questions. Do um, we want to, how do we want to spin this? Do we want to talk about, do we want to run through like, Maybe let's start with St. Mungo's. Okay. Yeah, let's get Just kind of jump in there and, and let's talk about the, the malarkey that seems to be St. Mungo's. I mean, there's so many things that I have questions about here. I mean, one of the big things that JK has come out with is that wizards can only fall seriously ill from magical ailments, right? Mm -hmm. um, she has said that they can just cure muggle things um yeah like there, are, there are magical solutions to right and all, like a wizard like, isn't gonna get cancer mm -hmm. right um what but like 
so I have one thing that has always plagued me about St. Mungo's is that when they're walking towards it, they're talking about like the history and it's like the big group, the kids are all going to visit Arthur and um, they've got Tonks and Mad-Eye and, um, and I don't remember which one of them said it. I think it was Mad-Eye and he was talking about how it was a huge job to try to find places to have a hospital um, yeah. and they couldn't just have it underground like the ministry for obvious reasons. What are those obvious reasons? Is it because if you are in a muggle hospital, you can't be underground because you need like sunlight and not surrounded by bacteria and dirt. But like bacteria is a muggle ailment, not a magical one. So like, why couldn't it be underground, JK? It's why? an excellent point, uh, especially because she is so specific about saying, and I, I ha actually, if you guys want me to read, I have that quote where yeah. JK is talking about magical illnesses. Uh, so yeah. this is from, Pottermore. And the quote is, I decided that, broadly speaking, wizards would have the power to correct or override mundane nature, but not magical nature. Therefore, a wizard could catch anything a muggle might catch, but he could cure all of it. He would also comfortably survive a scorpion sting that might kill a muggle, whereas he might die if bitten by a venomous tentacula. Similarly, bones broken in non-magical accidents, such as falls or fistfights, can be mended by magic, but the consequences of curses or backfiring magic could be serious, permanent, or life-threatening. This is the reason that Gilderoy Lockhart, victim of his own mangled memory charm, has permanent amnesia, why the poor Longbottoms remain permanently damaged by magical torture, and why Mad-Eye Moody had to resort to a wooden leg and a magical eye when the originals were irreparably damaged in a wizard's battle. Luna Lovegood's mother, Pandora, died when one of her own experimental spells went wrong, and Bill Weasley is irreversibly scarred after his meeting with Fenrir Greyback, end quote. So, yeah, so our understanding is there is really nothing um, muggle in nature that can damage a wizard for long. So the only thing that she is really dealing with and the only thing that these hospitals are dealing with are magical ailments. Okay, but then I guess that begs the other question is like, if you're curing muggle, muggle ailments, right? It's, she specifically says in this quote, right? That they can cure it, like they can catch it, but they can cure mm -hmm. it. So it's not like their magical blood is just like preventing them from catching muggle diseases. Yeah, cause isn't there a scene in one of the early books where it's like everyone, when they have colds or whatever, they take some sort of um, potion that like, like makes like punch, steam come potion. out of their ears. The pepper up yeah. potion. Yes, and then they yeah. get less, like they, then they get, they don't have colds anymore, but so say you're a wizard like Gilderoy Lockhart, who is perfectly inept at almost everything he does. <laughs> um, Don't talk about him that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, does he have to go see a specialty doctor? Like, a, sorry, healer, not a muggle nutter, doctor. Um, but a specialty healer to cure his muggle ailment. Like, or does he just hope that he doesn't do a bad job doing it himself or like is it just something that you expect somebody in your family to be able to cure for you which you wouldn't have learned question. if you're a muggle-born that is a good question because i was kind of under the assumption that just like wizards didn't get these things but you're right that's not that's not what our she understanding says. yeah and that was my understanding as well is that wizards just their magical blood prevents them from getting a lot of these diseases um and yeah and so i don't i don't fully understand how a lot of wizards really get through right because there's varying degrees of skill yeah and so yeah that would be 
my big question, um, which, yeah. Potions are like a business though. Like, yeah, I would assume like, yeah, like over the counter things you could buy. Potions. You can just go to like the apothecary. Yeah, yeah. that would, I guess, make sense to me. That is a good question though. Hmm. Cause we, cause we do have, we do see them having like colds and just like normal yeah. stuff. Yeah. And like cancer, like, and heart disease. This is like where our conversations around healthcare started. It was like, aren't wizards having heart attacks? And it's like, no, they have a cure for that. Like, but you're somebody right. would have to be with them to do the cure, right? So, like, what right. if you're just like a recluse and you live alone and you have a heart attack and there's like nobody Slughorn there to should like, have. right? And <laughs> there's nobody nearby to like perform the spell to stop your heart attack from happening you just drop dead of a muggle ailment and everybody's like hee hee so okay maybe this is a good time to return to that question of what is canon and what is not yeah like her statement was clearly canon but i actually don't think it makes sense and so we might want to throw it out okay yeah i mean we we might just we might just have to operate under the assumption that like wizards don't get these serious diseases yeah, yeah, and like I, their magical I, blood is a deterrent. And I'm, yeah, and I'm also wondering if, so she makes that in her, like, you know, um, little, like, write-up. She says, you know, a wizard would comfortably survive a scorpion sting that might kill a muggle, but he might die if bitten by, you know, a magical plant. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's actually where it, it is. It's, like, something within his magical system would just, like, not let him die from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. She isn't super clear there, but that that is the only thing that makes sense to me, honestly, yeah. based especially based on Lisa, the stuff you're saying. All right, so we're, yeah. gonna, th- we're gonna throw that one out. Can- it's now canon. You just can't get it if you're a wizard. <laughs> now this is just a podcast of us determining what's canon and what's not. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. You can't get cancer. That's canon now. <laughs> Uh, but you yeah. can get a, a lot of things. So I don't know yes. if one of you wants to kind of do just a very brief run through of the, you know, some of, of the wizarding illnesses that we see in the books or that we're made aware of. There's uh, a lot. Yeah. So maybe we'll just pick the, out the main ones. The magical illnesses mm-hmm. section that we have. Um, okay. So I haven't heard of some of this, uh, mm-hmm. like canthropy. Uh oh well duh I don't know yeah that's that's werewolf bites werewolf bites aka um so turns the infected into a werewolf and JK came out to say this was a reference to the HIV AIDS crisis um you know there it's highly stigmatized within the book series um folks like don't know how to interact with someone who's been bitten by a werewolf um and there was like all that jobs something about that yeah 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 like once the parents found out he was a werewolf or Didn't you know to be around been quit. yeah exactly um so that's very interesting um no cure and yeah the extreme prejudice within the community around it um is is pretty pretty reminiscent of the hiv aids crisis of the 1980s um so the other another huge one is dragon pox um which I feel like we could have a long conversation around Dragonpox and how it played out. Um, but this killed James Potter's parents, which is also interesting based on just the timeline it would have had to happen on. Yeah, so I, before you kind of give the background of this, one thing I do want to say is there was, I, and I, I couldn't find it, but I do, I know I heard this, where basically 
Um, so we know that the Potters died of dragon pox mm-hmm. and basically what JK Rowling had said when she'd been asked at like, I don't know, like our conference or something like that about the disease. And she was kind of just like, honestly, I just needed them to be dead. Mm-hmm. Like, like I just, that they needed sense. to have something. They needed to not be around. Harry needed to not have grandparents. Like, yeah. so I killed him off with dragon pox. Yeah. You know, and that's like totally fair. That it's is so that is fair. fair. Like, she never could have anticipated any of this. Right. Anybody <laughs> years later. It is it is so bizarre. Everything. <laughs> it is yeah. so bizarre as a fan because I am absolutely like you guys, one of those readers who are just like, I must know everything about this unit. Like I need to yeah. know every minute detail. But like I I write fiction and when I write fiction, I'm always just like they don't need to know that information or like the audience will figure it out. But then I'm also here being like JK Rowling didn't give me like a, (laughs) like a a rundown of this complex magical healthcare, this, this clown, this fool that I have read for years. Like, (laughs) right. Like how did the Potters die? How did the Evanses die? Did they just get chicken pox and die? Like, right. Like the, I need to know, but I would never give this information as a writer. I'd be like, you, you crazy people, leave me alone. So I'm going to start emailing you when your stories get published, asking you for like, so like random minute background. Kate and I are actually going to have a spinoff podcast. Okay. <laughs> <and we're> gonna... <laughs> Called Fuck a Mishan. <laughs> Fuck a Mishan. <laughs> yeah, it's like super fair that she just needed a reason to kill them off and I'm over here like, but wasn't it the 70s, the 1970s, like or the whatever. Didn't we have um, a cure for dragon pox by that point? Yeah, what yeah. would think? Well, so they had a treatment for the dragon pox, mm, but not mm-hmm. a cure for the dragon pox, which was actually kind of like a reality check to me of what like magical ailments and cures could be like it's not like wizards or like people in the wizarding community or healers could just like boom like magic it away like they like knew what to do it's like potions are as complex as like medicine is if not more so i have no idea um but so there was one witch um who became famous for developing uh, a potion that helped to cure it so you could like get rid of um get rid of the symptoms and everything but you couldn't prevent it from happening um and it couldn't save everyone um and her she was a healing witch named granilda de gorsmore um and this is pretty much when I started looking into canon because I was like, who the fuck is this person? Who is this person? <laughs> and why do we know about her? Um, so it was pretty effective, but it didn't eradicate the disease. And then she got her own um, chocolate frog card in tribute. And I think there's something named in tribute to her at St. Mungo's as well. Um, again, this is probably from a video game. So who knows? But um, so I did some digging into timelines um so also uh we haven't talked about what we do for livings but i'm a public health nerd um and so i really really like health and healthcare systems and things like that and the study of chronic disease um so i did some digging into like the bubonic plague timeline and the dragon pox timeline you can't see me doing a lot of air quotes because one's fictional one's not um but the black death and the first known case of dragonpox both occurred around the mid 1300s. So it's like, 
here's where we can speculate. Were they completely separate? Um, was there some overlap in this like phenomena of like death wiping out life across the continents? Um, was there some overlap in cures? What that's, do you think? Do you think they were related? That's really interesting. And it, it makes me wonder, you know, so we talked about, you know, we've decided that it's canon that wizards just can't really get muggle diseases. Mm-hmm. I am curious. Well, also, do we know, can muggles get wizard diseases? I would say probably no, right? It's like something in the interior makeup of magic makes you like susceptible to one and safe from the other, I would assume. That's what it would seem like. Otherwise, muggles would have just been wiped the fuck out yeah. after the statute of secrecy went yep. into effect. So, but I, I am wondering if it is something that is like, it is like the, the magic itself is, you know, whatever, changing your insides enough to make you susceptible to some illnesses, but not others. Is it the magic itself? Or is this like a weird, the magic is kind of a side effect of whatever else these people's genetic makeups are. So like, Mm. if you are like muggle born are like, is it the magic enough to protect you from these muggle illnesses or are you also susceptible to those? Do you know what I'm saying? Whoa. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think that kind of is coming down to a conversation, too, of, like, at what point um, are muggles and magical folks the same species, right? So, like... Because we know that wizards live longer. Right. Like, we obviously, like, we know that everybody is technically considered, like, a human being, right? Hmm. But, like, under what guise, right? So, like, you've got, like... Hum- muggle humans which are homo sapiens like what are magical folks still like, homos i don't i mean probably <laughs> Sorry, I probably um but like yeah are they just like in in what capacity like do they have a different i mean no because they're not scientists but do they have a different scientific name Be like are they designated slightly differently like if you were to look at their is it cro- like is it a chromosome the thing yeah but they have the same number. So oh my like, gosh. because thinking about it in that respect, right, it would make sense why magical beings got certain diseases while non-magical beings do not. Hmm. Because, I, so, yeah. I think, so, <laughs> I'm going to fucking rant. It's not going to make any sense. I am hesitant to think it's like a different kind of person because I think, so first of all, when we started mapping the human genome in the 1990s during the Clinton administration and pouring like hundreds of millions of dollars into this, like map the human gene code, find out how DNA works, and then we're going to eradicate all the diseases and like see how similar and different people are. They came to find that like people aren't fucking different at all across any way. And like, but that has fueled this like over-reliance um, in disease prevention and treatment on like figuring out the human genome mm. and things like that. And it's like, that must be the way people are different. And it's like, it's not actually that. It's more like environmental things. It's like the gut microbiome. It's like right. what you're eating, how, all that extra shit um, in terms of like how our cells develop diseases. It's more like, um, anyway. Uh, so. I think, think when it comes to 
Sorry, go ahead. Do you think it's possible then that these are actually the same diseases that are just mutating differently in muggles and in wizards? That is such a good question. That's a really good question, and I like it a lot. I think I want to delineate here between chronic disease and infectious disease. So what it seems like is that wizards don't seem to, like succumb to chronic disease so like heart disease and Mm, like mm -hmm. generally degenerative diseases um so i think we can validly apply the wizard muggle disease thing to infectious disease so i don't think we would have seen the hiv aids crisis in the wizarding community but we do see lycanthropy in the wizarding community um I mean, JK doesn't talk about like heart disease, cancer, other things like that in the books. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, But I think if we're talking about like a difference in type of human, it it could reasonably be said that like the chronic disease indicators are different. But I don't know if it would be possible population-wise for those diseases to like mutate so like one is bubonic plague and one is dragon pox i don't really understand it because like the wizarding community is like one-fifth of the muggle community and i just don't i don't understand epidemiology but i don't know so i guess that would have happened maybe mutate was the wrong term because the way like we we know of how like viruses mutate I guess what I am actually suggesting is that like the, the virus itself isn't mutating, but like the different reactions to them. It's affecting are, are like be- different yes. bloods are having a different response. Oh, right. Like so a, it's a this, different it's immune this, response. So it's the yeah. same. So the bubonic plague and like dragon pox are the same thing, yeah. but in like muggles, it's the bubonic plague and in wizards, it's dragon pox because of whatever internally is different. That's a really cool mm. question. But then why can't they just take a shot of penicillin in their butts and I don't know Lisa these people don't use pencils they don't like they don't have they don't use pencils (laughs) this is a really good that is a really good point and I don't understand why they can't just get behind ballpoint pens well and so actually we know very specifically that it is sort of like taboo or experimental to use muggle treatment because when Arthur gets his stitches yes true uh so yeah as a reminder in uh order of the phoenix when arthur has been attacked by nagini uh, in the ministry he goes to saint mungo's and he is like i think it's like the normal wizarding treatments aren't really working because there is like some venom uh that they nagini just didn't know off. what to do they yeah find that, anti-venom. that is like m- like melting all of like the bandages and the stuff they try to use so the doctor is like, well, we could try this muggle technique. And of course, Arthur is like, fuck me up. <laughs> and he's trying to explain it to, to Molly. And he's like, oh, they're called stitches. And she's like, oh, Arthur, like, you sound like you're going to let them just sew you up. And then she freaks out when she finds out that that is essentially what it is. Um, but there is clearly, they are willing to use muggle remedies, but kind of only in weird emergency weird scenarios yeah and specifically the healer who brought it up was a muggle-born so he was the assistant healer so he was a muggle-born um and that's he was the one who brought it up to the like head healer um and they heard it and harry and hermione were like what's going on 
up here. <laughs> That's funny because like that healer definitely didn't go to muggle medical school. He so did he had not. no clue. <laughs> no, so he was probably just like a kid who got stitches in his head and was like, we do this all the time. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, so like we just talked about wizards using muggle remedies. Um, I know one thing that the three of us had talked about like offline as we decided to make a podcast um, was like, why aren't wizards sharing their cures with the muggle Let's world? talk about wizard eugenics for a minute. Okay. Um, I do, I, I want to have a whole, a whole episode where we talk about muggle wizard relationships uh, because I, I, I do think that we give wizards way too much credit. I don't know that they are necessarily good people or a good community for yeah. their muggle neighbors. Um, but we do know that they have essentially figured out how to cure every muggle disease by some sort of magical means. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I know we are kind of struggling with like, can they get the disease? Can they just cure them? JK Rowling has sort of said both things, right? But what we, what we know is that muggle disease can be cured by magic mm-hmm. in a way that magical disease cannot always be. Mm-hmm. So like, why are they not helping muggles cure diseases? Oh, they have just at their fingertips, apparently the cure to all known muggle diseases. And they're mm-hmm. just sitting on those. Yeah. I have a theory or rather I read something and had a thought that made me laugh. Um, so well, actually, so one of my theories is related to the statute of secrecy. So it's like, the international agreement that wizards are going to hide themselves from muggles. Um, and it was signed in 1689, um, which was like pretty late in the game. Like you'd think there would be a lot more knowledge uh, mm-hmm. from on the muggle side around magic, um, except there actually is because we're muggles and we exist today. And there's like a lot of knowledge and general ideas around magic and witchcraft. But anyway, so my idea was that maybe it's because of the statute of secrecy that they're like not going out of their way to share remedies with muggles um and this took me down the road of looking into but what if there was some overlap that we just didn't notice um so i looked into um like old cures for the black plague like things that people believed to be cures And I started to wonder, um, when looking at these old-timey cures, if witches, wizards, and healers were telling muggles, like, just do these things and it'll cure you. And then maybe they did help with their magic. But in the meantime, they got to watch muggles um, rub onions and chopped up pigeons on themselves, um, drink their own urine, uh, self-flagellate, so whip themselves, um, I mean, bloodletting. Eat, eat arsenic. <laughs> bloodletting. I'm like, did the wizards just tell them that this would work? And then these things took off as medical practices and they were just kind of helping clean up with their magic a little bit behind them. I did want to point to something that I found to be interesting. Um, even just going back to like the legacy of people having known about magic um, after the statute of secrecy. So the pretty much the rupture of like the wizarding community from the muggle world um happened around the same time as there was like the last prominent plague outbreak around 1665 um and what drew my attention to this is that one of the uh, like cures that people used um 
they would carry bottles of perfume around their necks and wear lucky charms. Um, and one of the cures included writing the letters abracadabra in a large triangle or carrying a lucky hare's foot, a dried toad, um, leeches, uh, just putting different things on the sores. And to me, that really sounds like witchcraft. That sounds like an ingrained memory of witchcraft in like the muggle community that like maybe the actual magic is just what's missing, but there was still like a cultural overlap. Well, I would also argue that sounds a lot like in um, Order of the uh, Order of the Phoenix when they're taking their owls. Remember, there's like all these people selling fake charms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that are you know supposed oh, like, yeah. uh-huh. to like make their brain That's bigger. Amazing. So what like... if it's also there was just like some wizard who was selling these kind of like bunk fake charms to muggles? That's amazing. Like, this will save. This will right, like a Mundungus Fletcher taking advantage yeah. of the muggles. That's what happened. <laughs> Yes, that's, that is what happened. <laughs> that would be Muggles are so stupid. <laughs> Thank you for immediately that hole you just poked on it makes me so happy. That's amazing. Like, I love that's that. how I want to conceptualize that. Don't believe holes in history. Good people. <laughs> don't believe they want to help. No, they don't. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Well, what are some of the other questions? So I think so, but kind of going back to St. Mungo's. So one of the things that um, St. Mungo's has that we see when they first go in um, is they're going to like meet the welcome witch um, and they see the the list of like where, what the floors are. Um, I don't remember exactly um, what the floors are. Oh, I have Um, them. Oh, did we write them out? Yeah, so there are six floors. The ground floor is artifact accidents, which includes like cauldron explosions, wombats firing, broom crashes, things like that. Uh, First floor is creature induced injuries. Second floor is magical bugs. So that's like dragon pox, different kinds of like maladies and sicknesses. Third floor is potion and plant poisoning. Fourth floor is spell damage. And then the fifth floor is uh, the tea room and the, the shop. Okay, so in the idea of St. Mungo's, right, St. Mungo's clearly understands the idea that there's different types of illnesses that can happen, right? There's different reasons why you might come to St. Mungo's. Um, There are lots of different reasons why you might go there. Um, So does that include specialty magic? So like, you know how in like muggle medicine, you have like oncologists, you have dermatologists, dentists, you have general practice, you have all of these different types of doctors who are basically all considered doctors, right? So in the Harry Potter world, we hear about healers, but we don't really hear about specific types of healers. So like, are there specific like, um, you know, Ron made fun of the idea of dentistry, but like, is there a healer who specifically dabbles in like straining your teeth? Or like, is there, are there wizards who specifically cover, you know, trauma or cover spell damage or cover these types of things? Um, and I want to say the answer is yes. But again, the idea kind of comes from the only proof that I could really find of this um, was um, midwifery. So specifically um it's only mentioned in non the book it's not in the books um it's mentioned from jk and like pottermore um where she's talking about magic manifesting itself in children um and neville's midwife her like not named but just called neville's midwife 
was the first person to not really notice that he had magical powers um, and to kind of sweep that under the rug. But like, is JK using the word midwife as like a substitute for a nanny or like an actual medically trained midwife? Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm curious to see if maybe like midwives are allowed because they have a big whole history in like the middle ages of where midwives were really often um, accused of witchcraft and things like that because they're herbalists and women who dabble in herbs and any kind of apothecal like things were often accused of witchcraft because it was the easy thing to do and also in the middle ages babies died all the time yeah Just so because, I, I actually that's disgusting I had that same exact question, Lisa, after looking at the floors in St. Mungo's and being like, oh, there's no, like, maternity floor. Like, there's no, right. you know. So, clearly, I, my assumption. Like the baby's just being delivered at home? I think you're, I think they're just delivering at home. And I, I do think we're, and, and this one's, I'm, I am willing to buy this one, even without, like, a lot of other information on it. That, right. like, it is just the reliance on the kind of midway system, especially because that has a long magical history in. Right. Even, you know, in real history. In real life. Um, so th yeah. that is my assumption, that there are just sort of like locally, I don't know if they're locally, you know, they're trained um, midwives or mm -hmm. wizards or, you know, whatever it is, whether there's special training for that or whether there's some, again, there is some sort of magical component that makes birthing easier for them, mm -hmm. you know, like a potion or a spell or something like that. But it is clearly something that is not serious enough to even warrant anything in St. Mungo's. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And that's the other thing that I kind of want to bring up about St. Mungo's, right? We've already kind of talked about that aside from the hospital wing at Hogwarts, which the outside public does not have access to, like, are there local healers, like, in different commun communities, right? Like, Ron's family lives in, like, Ottery St. Catchpole, which is mm -hmm. not in London, um, and there's other wizards that live far away, and we already know that, like, apparition exists, but not every wizard chooses to do it. Mm -hmm. So my assumption is, right, like, if you accidentally, like, chop your arm off and you need to go to St. Mungo's, or if you're the witch who got stuck with her nose in a book and can't stop reading her book, um, you can't ride a broomstick and just like casually go to London. So how do you get there? Do they have emergency services? How do you contact these people? How does that work? So from what I could find on, again, like Harry Potter Wiki, Lexicon, Pottermore, things like that, it, it did not seem like there were at least other like official smaller doctor's offices or local hospitals or anything. It was like St. Mungo's was like the place to go. Right. Uh, based on that, my assumption was just, and, and kind of knowing a little bit about like a lot of the magic that Molly Weasley works is that there are just a lot of cures or treatments that are just done in the home with like fairly simple magic. Right. And yeah. that, and I guess anything serious, it would be, I don't know, maybe connected by, I'm sure they're connected by the flu network. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't really think about the flu network. Maybe but there's I'm thinking, something equivalent to like the night bus for St. Mungo's. Yeah, like a wizarding ambulance, right? Yeah. So like, I'm thinking of, specifically, I'm thinking of Arthur before he gets sent to St. Mungo's, right? Mm -hmm. He was obviously at the Ministry of Magic, so it was easier for them to transport him. But like, how did they transport him? He was bleeding out and dying. Like, can they just side along apparition somebody straight to St. Mungo's that way? Hopefully. Um, like we, 
I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like for that. I know. Yeah. Um. So I want to know more about what the medical infrastructure would resemble um, if they have just come up with a system that works better or like we know they don't have phones so it's not like you can just like hey hey mate get over here on the felly oh, tone like but like apparently that's all it's emergency hey mate Oy. i'm so Oy. sorry everyone in the uk <laughs> um we're terrible folks um yeah so that's, that's a great that's question a, i want to yeah. know yeah i mean yeah. our system is pretty defective and we, sure. have, yeah. we, we have ambulances and it's very defective um, yeah no it's all terrible yeah i'm just wondering like what um, too. What's their system? Well, yeah. here's one thing we know. We know they don't pay for their health care because otherwise Arthur would have just died on the street somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's that true. That's true. Um, it's a big deal. I mean, I, I, made I saw some... that tweet somewhere where it was like the most unrealistic thing about Harry yeah. Potter is that Arthur Weasley was able to afford a week-long stay at a hospital. Yeah, that was oh, a Reddit no. post. That was a Reddit post. It was like the only real or the real magic of Harry Potter is that Arthur Weasley could afford healthcare. Okay, do we have any last-minute thoughts on the healthcare system? I think we've kind of gone over a lot of what our major questions were about it. Um, I'm still kind of sitting with some of with some of these questions of like canon versus not canon um, mm -hmm. that I think we'll probably continue to discuss throughout the rest of our episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have any questions about like no. the health or the healthcare, but I do think this was a really good way to start pulling those questions out about canon, just like you said, Sean, mm -hmm. um, because we get to play with this as much as we want. So. And and so if any of you guys have questions or comments about the healthcare system or just like things that you want to talk about, um, you can send us an email. Uh, Lisa, do you have, the, you have the email off the top of your head? I do. Uh, our email is watcherharrypod at gmail.com. So that's watcher, W-O-T-C-H-E-R, harrypod at gmail.com. Okay. All right, we will be back again in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll let you guys know ahead of time. If you follow us on social media, I will put links to our uh, Instagrams and Twitters and stuff in the show notes, and we'll kind of announce when we have the next one up, but you can probably expect it in about three weeks or so. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for being here. Right, thank you, guys. Bye. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by Lisa Moen, Kate Kelleher, and me, Sean Fitzpatrick. It's edited by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre, Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.